I'm Kathleen, a co-host of the Left Wingers podcast. We are a podcast made by activists for activists, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Ashan. Hello, everyone. This week, we're going to be talking about the bigger news crisis that have happened in the past week. Lots to choose from. We're only going to cover a few. We thought it would be a quiet week of recess, but oh boy, oh boy, were we proved wrong. And, you know, we knew something was definitely up the past couple of weeks with the main topic of conversation, which is, of course... Nicola Sturgeon resigning. We definitely have seen a couple of slips, a couple of falters throughout the past few years, but it's kind of strange. I think the past two or three years, we've seen the exit of major female politicians, Angela Merkel being a good example. And now, of course, Nicola Sturgeon. Neither of us are Scottish, might I just say, just to begin this conversation. So if you live in Scotland or you're involved in Scottish politics, you might have a different view. And we will be getting, hopefully, a familiar face back on the back on the podcast to chat a bit more about uh, Scottish politics. But for now, Ashan, what are your thoughts? Um, it's going to be strange. I feel like she's been in a turbulent last 10 years or so. She's actually been a constant, which is a very odd um, thing. I mean, I, I remember seeing she was the last remaining party leader to still lead her party, um, who was leader during the 2019 general election. So considering that was only three, well, just over three years ago, that is pretty insane. And I think most people I know are happy to see her go, um, especially Scottish Labour people, um, but also Scottish Tories and anyone sort of remotely unionist as well. Um, but at the same time, um, yeah, she's she's done she's done a bit, I suppose, to help her country. But we'll we'll disagree, I suppose, on most things. Uh, but I know she did her part. She did her part. I think Nicola Sturgeon has been a voice of independence and a voice. Scotland for such a long time that I think it will inevitably, like when any major leader leaves a political party, it will cause a vacuum. And I've been hearing today, Ian Blackford has ruled himself out. We heard that yesterday. And today we're hearing about the two candidates that might get it, which is Hamza Youssef and Kate Forbes. I believe I've pronounced their names properly. Apologies if I haven't. I find both of them to be absolutely fascinating, but Nicola Sturgeon was such a titan of Scottish politics. She dictated the tone and set the agenda for such a long time that it feels very strange to be having this conversation in a post-Nicola world. Now, we did think that she was going this year, but I think it's a little bit coincidental how she seems to have gone in February. And then, of course, in the middle of March, the SNP have that annual conference. I think it's a little strategic timing as to why she's gone now. We'll never, I don't think we'll ever know the full story on that, but I'll be interested to see what happens in the next few months around the SNP and Scottish politics. And don't forget, she was basically, she was a huge part of the independence movement. She was a huge part of the COVID response. She was a huge part of, even just in the downfall of Liz Truss, even those comments that Liz Truss made about Nicola Sturgeon were huge parts of British politics that I think she's definitely cemented her place in British politics. Strange that you mentioned um, her, her maybe, um, not us not knowing, mm. um, and that, that might be true, but it's strange that the SNP didn't really sort of um, elect a successor, sort of when when Alex Salmond stepped down, they sort of knew it would be Nicola Sturgeon, 
and similar to sort of Labour knowing that it would be Gordon Brown all those years ago. There doesn't seem to be any clear outriders. I mean, they all seem to be pretty problematic in their own little way or a bit useless in their own little way, depending on how you look at it. Um, and it's strangely, they didn't sort of, Nicola Sturgeon was obviously under the leadership of uh, Alex Salmon um, and sort of took, um, he took her under his wing, but she didn't take anyone under her wing um, to bring up and continue the sort of struggle for independence as the SNP here, um, which is a bizarre um, state of affairs for a party that's so strong in Scotland. Yeah, I agree. I would argue, I'd argue maybe she did take John Swinney underneath her arm a little bit, but there's, let's be clear, there is no successor. There is no outright standing successor. And I think that that's such a huge part of politics is that people refuse or are unable or forget or find themselves running out of time and can't nurture and then pick a replacement. But actually seems to be, I question why she would have done that, which leads me leads me to believe that actually she doesn't, she didn't want to go when she was going and she was pushed uh, I've also seen the polling for independence in the past couple of weeks and months. It has gone down uh, in the majority of Scotland, as we're speaking right now, according to some select polls, say that Scotland wants to remain. A Labour government looks very likely that will benefit Scotland. Scottish Labour are doing very, very well. We, they had Scottish Labour conference last weekend, and Nass and Keir were up there, and Nass did a fantastic speech. I saw he did a a video which he put on Twitter, which was fantastic, a really good, you know, believe in change video. Scottish Labour are back very much so. They're cracking on through selection processes. It, it leads me to believe that maybe this wasn't the time she, where she wanted to go, but she's had a phenomenal... Well, she's been in politics now 10, 10 years? Well, she's at the top British politics. 2014. Um, yeah. And even before that, she was sort of the main... She was in that cadre of four or five SNP heavyweights that had controlled the party for, what, 30 years? And had exactly. built the momentum through um, the end of the 2010s, especially. Um, but what I find most um, interesting with the whole Nicola Sturgeon thing um, is that even though, as you said, there was she might have been forced out, um, it seems that I think what, what my analysis and what I've heard a couple of people write on it as well is that she lost her time as in she had that momentum with her immediately after and sort of even before the independence referendum. And she had that right on her. She was sort of riding that wave for so long. And now that wave's come down. I think she's realised she can't ever build it back up again. And that's why it's time to go. And same, you could say that about independence as a whole. But it would be interesting if the SNP ever recover um, to the popularity that Sturgeon once had. Because in Scotland, she was still... Um, the most popular MP, MP, popular politician out of all the big hitters. So I'm not sure how they would recreate that. Normally, when someone that big leaves, they're normally quite unpopular. But even for her standards, she was still quite popular. Yeah, she definitely leaves. I think I think she still does leave as a popular politician. Um, not as popular as this time last year or this time five years ago. But I remember what was it 2015 leadership debate I remember her being in that I remember the 2017 leadership debate you know those big ones where they all the main candidates sit on the stage stand on the stage with the big podiums I just remember her being such a constant feature of Scottish politics and I remember even just the handshake she had with Boris Johnson it just several things which are just I'm surprised that we won't see her doing that again 
but then it's a huge opportunity for Scottish Labour. I don't think there'll be anyone who is as popular. So the question now is for the SNP is how many seats, who do they need to defend and how many seats do they need to defend? Because there aren't local elections this year in Scotland, I believe, but there will be some in the near future. And there, of course, will be a general election next year or very quickly the year after, in which case you have it all out. You have all out elections for, for, for Scotland. Maybe they'll lose 10 seats. Maybe Labour will gain eight. Maybe the Lib Dems and the Tories might get one or two as well. I, and I also think maybe people in Scotland tend to vote Labour when they think Labour might actually win. I really get that feeling is that more people tend to vote Labour when people think that Labour have a real chance. I definitely see that in, especially in the south of England, people are more likely to vote for somebody who they think is going to win. So huge opportunity for Scottish Labour. And Ass is perfectly placed to do this. He's been doing so well recently. Keir was up there last weekend. They had their annual conference. You know, delighted, delighted for Scottish Labour. You know, sad times, obviously, for Nicola Sturgeon, but um, delighted for Scottish Labour and also very sad that the next person that replaces her won't have a fish in their name because yeah. you had Alex Salmond, you had Nicola Sturgeon, and now you can have Kate Forbes. No, not, um, not very, not very fishy. Although some of her views might be a little bit. The, the anyway. views, her views are a bit fishy. I think her views are a bit strange, and I don't know. What are your thoughts on? Uh, so I don't know if any of you have been watching the news, but um, she's sort of Kate Forbes is, belongs to a, um, a very small community um of calvinists i would believe is the correct term uh, which isn't like the mainstream church of scotland or uh, but it's more of an independent presbyterian group uh, if if that's right if, mm. if anyone's into theology please shoot me down in the comments or email us but something like that and so a lot of her views are very different from um the opinions of the mainstream smp sort of typical center left um view um, and she's sort of been tying herself in knots with that on live TV, especially with stuff such as um, trans rights, um, equal marriage, um, all that type of thing. Uh, well, what are your thoughts on how that's unfolded? Because I know I'm sort of, it's a bit sad. It's a similar to Tim Farron. That's what I, I was about to say, yes. Where I, feel, I feel like it's quite sad because I don't think we do that. I don't, I don't know how to put it. I, I feel... Everyone's entitled to their beliefs. And I don't understand why that would change her ability to be a leader because she's not necessarily said she would implement them on people. But at the same time, she shouldn't have to hide them as well. It's very strange. I'm a bit, it's a bit of a weird one. I think there's a couple of issues of, con of conscience where, look, Tim Farron learned this the hard way. You just can't, you can't be saying stuff like this. I just think it's completely. It's, I think if you want to be a leader of a political, of a mainstream political party in 2023, you cannot be saying, you cannot be going on the record and saying things like this without the prospect of losing the race that we all thought she was going to win. I think quite quickly, the media decided that she was going to be one of the front runners. She, I don't think she'll win now. And if she does, every, every journalist will just follow her around with the camera and ask her, what's your views on gay marriage? What's your views on same-sex marriage? Can two people that, the same sex can they love each other and it's such a shame that instead of putting forward her agenda and what she wants to achieve she's just been caught up consistently by this you know she's made her views clear I completely disagree with them but she's made her views clear and now people will just double down and double down and her entire campaign now will be about defending what I think she will have to do now which is row back and defend um 
which is a shame because I'm sure she had other ideas and other aspects. And this is what the conversation will be dominated on. I don't know why she wouldn't have just learned from Tim Farron, who clearly had the exact same problem. But then I also think, would you not have, I'm not too sure if I was, I wouldn't advise her because I think I fundamentally disagree with her line on this, but I would have got it out of the way sooner or I would have not mentioned it at all. I, I don't know. I think the difficulty is, um, it, well, I feel like we don't, I, I, I've listened to the interviews and they, they seem a bit strange where she goes, I believe this, but I wouldn't enforce anyone else to do this, which is sort of her line mm. of talking. And obviously I disagree with those views first, but then at the same time, my thought is that she, should she have to hide it and then find out later? Because people find out, it's just, it's all very strange. And I feel, I feel like we need to be more, if there's any theologians listening again, you'll have to try and walk us through how people sort of balance those views up with a modern society. Um, but I don't think maybe, especially in Scotland, she can do that. And I don't think for that reason she'll win. But I just don't, it makes me, I find it a bit strange because it's clearly not up for debate. Yeah. Like same-sex marriage has passed. There is no yeah. political agenda. Yeah, I know that, that's what I mean. Nor will there be to reverse. Yeah. It sounds completely ludicrous and actually yeah. jurisdiction-wise actually really difficult. Um, but it's a shame because she was a young, bright woman who I think could have had a lot more of a chance and a go at it. Uh, I mean, we'll see. Like, I haven't seen any breakdown. The SNP members will decide. I know very little about SNP members. Um, I know they're mostly male and they're mostly above the age of 30. But apart from that, I, I don't know too much about them. So I guess really it's a question of what the members want and who they vote for. But the popularity and the one party dominance of the SNP in Scotland is now coming to an end. The question is, is it this year? Is it next year? Is it the year after? Can they pull back from this? And, you know, look, I, I you know, that's one, you know, she's one candidate. The other candidate, Hamza Youssef, you know, a lot of criticism over his work as the health secretary, like a lot of criticism, especially from funny, Scottish Labour. Or the funny story about him um, getting a traffic fine, or is it a speeding fine whilst being transport minister? Um, which is quite funny in a way. Uh, and also, have you seen the video of him falling over in Holyrood? I feel like he's just a very... Um, Was that him on the scooter? Yeah. Yeah, I've seen that. I feel like he's sort of become a meme, but not in a popular way. In a sort of, but like, not in laughing. a cool way. Yeah, yeah. Like, we're laughing at you, not with you, man. I think that's the vibe I'm getting from him. But as you say, we don't know enough about... Uh, well, I personally... Yeah, I'm he's not, had a lot of criticism from his time as health secretary. Yeah. Even before the pandemic, I think the SNP came under huge. Health is, of course, more devolved to Scotland than other issues are. It's a shame. And I think if those are the two best candidates the SNP has, I don't see either of them doing particularly well. Obviously, a leader does grow into their role, absolutely. But <sighs> we, mustn't, we mustn't forget also that regardless of the leader, the SNP, even though Nicola Sturgeon was popular, they have failed on a lot of policy fronts as well. Mm-hmm drug deaths, the NHS, yeah. um, the stuff about growing inequality in education, the falling yeah. levels of universities in Scotland. So they're not they're not popular just simply because they're governing well. There's a whole other reason, and that's why I think Scottish Labour will be really pushing on. Yeah, Unlike I mean, Zahar, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And we've always been clear, and we've always said this on our podcast, 
you know, the door to number 10 runs through Scotland. There's no way that Scotland can be part of the union and we not need to win a huge number of seats in Scotland just to make a dent in the, the, the door to number 10 Downing Street. Like there's no, you know, that's pretty straightforward in my book. Uh, we'll see whether we'll see whether an ass can do it. Hopefully we're getting on, we're looking to get on a Scottish activist to have a little chat with us about uh, what's going on behind the scenes of Scottish Labour. But be interested to see. I will definitely look at those opinion polls of the new candidates, especially next to Anas. Anas now has had, I think, what two years now in the role, just to get used to it and bed himself in. That's going to come in so handy against those newer SNP leaders. And I think a lot of the damage he did against the SNP wasn't really done against Sturgeon, but was just done against their track record in government. So just like I would say to Labour people south of that border. You need to keep speaking about conservative, like a decade of conservative failures. I would say north of the border, you speak about a decade of SNP failures. And, you know, could it be that we see the resurgence of Labour in in Scotland? I, I hope so, because everyone in Scotland could do with a Labour government, as everyone else in England could as well. True. And on that note, I think we'll move on to uh, our next little section. So something we've covered a lot on this programme is, and of course, has been almost day-to-day news in the UK, especially for the past year, is this week, which celebrates one year since the war in Ukraine. I cannot believe it has been a year. What what an incredible year. And we saw Zelensky uh, in Parliament last week, I believe, or the week before. And we saw Biden, I believe, in, in was he in Ukraine yesterday? He was in Kiev, was in Kiev today, I'm pretty sure, and yesterday. There's, there's an incredible video, if any of you have a chance, of him and uh, President Zelensky walking around sort of the main square, or one of the main squares in Kyiv, a fire, an air raid siren going off, and then to just like nonchalantly walking away. It's pretty badass. It kind of reminds me of like a film scene. Um, I know we shouldn't get too sentimental about leaders, but, you know, if there was ever a really good way of doing it, I suppose that is what one of them. And, you know, we said it last year on the podcast, but I think it's worth saying it again. The war in Ukraine it was an illegal an illegal invasion of Ukraine. Ukraine have by far and away won the PR war. Ukraine has absolutely dominated the PR war. And even that's it's Zelensky going to speak to world leaders, it's people in his team, it's people in the Ukrainian parliament going out to do work, it's journalists at the Kiev Keith Independent, for example, who have gone out of their way to produce fact-check news. They have done a fantastic job in keeping the West and the West and the rest of the world engaged into what can only be a horrific tragedy and hopefully you know we've seen that you uh, homes for ukrainian scheme we've seen a couple more things come into play hopefully we can help them a bit more uh, but of course delighted to see that we're committing more i believe weaponry to ukraine because that's exactly what they need and on that note we don't usually um commend tory leaders um but the last three tory leaders um have all been and um, the, the government as a whole has been yes. excellent in Ukraine. And I think Labour stand by them with that as well, especially with uh, Keir going to visit um, Zelensky as well. Um, was it last week or two weeks ago? So everyone seems to be in Kyiv. Um, and then I think I think someone I think someone from Kyiv came to the PLP meeting on Monday as well. Yeah, as well. I think, uh, was it the ambassador came to the PLP meeting? I believe um, so. Yeah, so it's which it's is all... very rare. Just to, just to say, it's very very rare to have an outside person in a PLP meeting. It's very rare to have somebody from outside of politics, which kind of the ambassador is. He's not, you know, he's not an MP. Um, it's nice to see as well. Um, I, I I think early on, 
there was a bit of tension within the party um, on certain aspects on how to support Ukraine well. But I read a good article recently from John McDonnell, who's from a wing of the party that maybe had a bit of issues with the whole um, situation. And he was really um, strong in his support as well for supportive weapons to um, Ukraine, as well as listening to trade union voices in Ukraine, who have obviously undergone a lot of um, difficulty, as has the whole of the Ukrainian um, people, um, but especially people like the miners in Ukraine, who are obviously working their hearts out to try and ensure that Ukraine has enough power and the people working the power plants and the own shelling. So uh, it's nice to see the whole labour movement um, a bit more together on this one than we usually are on some things. Absolutely. And also, of course, a big shout out to Ben Wallace. And, you know, this is the left wingers. Let's be clear. We don't praise Tories, but when they do things right, we definitely send them. We definitely commend them. And in this case, I think Ben Wallace has been a standout figure in all of this. I had the privilege of watching him debate defence procurement and Ukraine live, and I thought he did a great job. So I've seen you live, Ben. Uh, keep doing what you're doing. If you're listening, um, you're always welcome on here. But obviously, you're kind of busy, I imagine. Yeah, I reckon he's got a couple of things on, yeah. But if he, yeah. He, ever gets, if he ever gets a spare 15 minutes... Uh, he just drops knows. a call, you know, drops an email. You know. Pop it out into the universe yeah. and see what happens. Who knows? There's so many things on this podcast that have happened just because we've been like, oh, why would it be cool if this happened? And then it did. So, you know, you never know. That has yeah. happened a few times on this podcast, especially. I think we had a senator on from two years ago because we just said, if anyone knows anyone in the US, and then we got a senator. Oh, so it was pretty cool. So... Ben, if you're listening, you know where to find us. Yeah. Slide into the DMs. We won't mind. Yeah, please do. We'll be, we'll be good. Open for you, Ben. <laughs> but just for you. Yeah. No other Tories. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Nobody else. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe Liz Truss, that'll be, you can. Oh, Liz Truss interview would be absolutely yeah. fantastic. God, could you imagine? Would I would, I would just, I would just. I don't know what I'd do. If I ever see her, I'll definitely ask her on the winges. I'm sure that'd be fine. I'm sure no one would have any problem with that. I'm sure yeah. our comms sure team would be fine. Considering the only like news outlet she's spoken to was the Telegraph, I'm sure like that's an easy segue. It's very the... easy. We are yeah. so linked to the Telegraph. I can't even yeah. begin to describe how linked we are. Our listenership is very similar as well. Or readership. Oh, I fundamentally believe that every left winger has a Telegraph subscription. Yeah, yeah you should. Get one. Absolutely. Get one. Yeah. yeah, and and with the code leftwinders fifty, you can get fifty percent off. <laughs> yeah, really useful if you have a cat. By the way, very useful, very yeah. useful. Um, there you go. We we unfortunately do not have a subscription to the Telegraph, and that discount code will not get you anywhere. Sorry about that. But anyway, I think the point remains: uh, Slava Ukraini, and we look forward, hopefully, to Russians, the Russian army leaving Ukraine, and for them to have their sovereign territory back, and then for them to rebuild bigger and better than they ever have done before and uh, we wish them every success in doing that and we send our solidarity and thoughts with the people affected and the millions of people displaced as well unfortunately i think that's actually all we have time for this week it was a pretty big week in politics last week we hope this week will be a little bit quieter but quite frankly we say this every week but we were in the top 85 on the government section of apple podcast last week so it's definitely paying off Leftwingers, we need you. Please share, subscribe, like, comment, retweet our tweets, do everything that you can because we want as many people to hear from us as possible. We love talking to you. We love hearing what you have to say. And 
Honestly, it's one of the highlights of my week to talk to Sean and Sean about the week in politics. We are a really good mates, but disagree on a huge amount, which is always exciting. So please download, share, like, comment, subscribe. And we've got one thing left to say to you, but I'm going to leave that to a Sean. Keep whinging about not knowing anything about Scottish politics, and we'll see you next week.